Chapter Five of A Bachelor's Dream by Mrs. Hungerford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mademoiselle, didn't you say we could go to the park again if we were good? said Tom, looking up from a smeary attempt to get a simple addition sum to prove, and sucking his pencil doubtfully as he surveyed the result don't want to go to the park want to go to the shops and spend my shilling exclaimed floss dropping a prodigious blot upon his copy of capital b's and instantly smearing it over the page with his arm shall go to the park i shall wants to see the ducks poor things and the nice man cried maggie as usual completing the trio and screwing up her face over the mysteries of a b a b can't we go mademoiselle demanded tom go where asked alexia she had been leaning against the window frame staring out blankly her face was paler than usual the lines of the mouth more rigid her hair even more coldly absent and abstracted her pupils had spoken to her half a dozen times and she had not heard them would not have heard them now had tom not tugged impatiently at her gown why to the park as we did last week can we go i don't know we will see get on with your lessons now what is that come in a tap had sounded at the door which was now opened and the doctor entered the children scrambled down from their seats and ran to him miss boochafin turning from the window arched her straight brows with an expression of questioning surprise for dr brutnell to appear in the schoolroom at that hour in the morning was an unprecedented event good morning mademoiselle he took the cold carelessly yielded hand into his own for a moment don't let me disturb you i simply came to express my hope that you are not alarmed last night alarmed echoed alexia then you did not hear it with a look of mingled relief and astonishment well i am glad of it but you must sleep very soundly you were the only person in the house who was not aroused i sleep very soundly she looked at him keenly noting that his face was drawn and that his eyes were dull showing that he had not slept i did not know there was anything wrong not here i hope no not here exactly but it is a most horrible thing he drew a pace nearer to her dropping his voice so that the sharp little ears that were all eagerly listening should not catch the words a most horrible thing a murder mademoiselle a murder repeated alexia nothing less and not a hundred yards away from this door miss boochafin had leaned back almost fallen against the window frame she was so pale that he said hastily i beg your pardon i spoke too abruptly i have frightened you no no i am not frightened go on pray how was it who was it 
as to who it was a man as to how it was he was stabbed to the heart answered the doctor shortly and he was found dead and brought here yes at three o'clock this morning and brought here by the police but he was dead and had been dead for at least half an hour i could do nothing how horrible how very horrible murmured alexia did you say sir that he was an old man no he is a little more than a lad a mere boy nineteen or twenty at the most a handsome lad too i should fancy he was not english is there a clue as to who did it questioned the governess not that i know of yet the police have had no time to work you see he reminded her gently ah yes i was forgetting sir have they taken it away from here not yet it must be removed to the mortuary to await the inquest of course he hesitated and then added in a voice which in spite of all his efforts was almost tender you are not afraid of its being here are you afraid a smile as curious as fleeting parted the beautiful lips of alexia buchafin no i am not afraid i asked because sir may i see it see it george brutnell was so startled and shocked that he doubted if he heard all right surely mademoiselle you do not mean what you say yes if i may she spoke quite steadily and coldly i should like to see him this poor murdered boy if i may i have never seen death and i should like to know how it looks to be stabbed to the heart surely a strange uncanny fancy in this lovely young creature there was something morbid about it which the doctor did not like it almost repelled him until he recollected how nearly this fate had been hers he did not like assenting but already he was so weak with regard to her that he could refuse her nothing so he said reluctantly come now then if you wish quite quietly only bending her head by way of reply she followed him out of the room and downstairs to an apartment on a level with the hall where the murdered man had been carried on the threshold he stopped looking at her doubtfully mademoiselle are you sure of yourself this is no sight for you yes she answered steadily pray do not fear sir i shall not faint let me see he stood aside and let her enter the darkened room the blinds were drawn down cooling liquids had been sprinkled about there was nothing to horrify nothing to discuss the rigid figure covered with white drapery lay stretched upon the table without faltering alexia advanced and removed with a steady hand the cloth at the upper end looked at the dead face thus revealed a boy's face indeed 
beautiful even in death smooth-cheeked the dark down on the delicate upper lip hardly perceptible the black hair clustering upon the white forehead almost like a child's the governess looked at it long and steadily and one hand went to her bosom as she raised her eyes to the doctor's tell me did he suffer much no impossible death must have been almost instantaneous i doubt if he was able to cry out pray come away mademoiselle you will faint i should not have let you see this a voice in the hall called the doctor he was wanted had been sent for in haste someone was dying he went quickly to the door to reply alexia buchafin bent down her hand gently swept the hair from the dead boy's forehead and for a moment her lips rested upon it poor boy she murmured you were too young too weak it was cruel i did my best to save you but i could not mademoiselle pray come said the doctor turning from the door i am coming sir replied the governess and with that she gently replaced the sheet and followed him quietly from the room dr brudenell had a busy day a day so filled with work that coming after his sleepless night it exhausted him it was later than usual when he reached home to find his dinner spoiled and mrs jessop's temper ruffled so tired was he that when the meal was over he fell asleep in his chair entirely forgetting for once his regular visit to miss bouchafin's sitting-room to bid the children good-night but his thoughts were all of her and he dreamed of her as he sat dreamed that she was in some trouble grief danger of which he did not know the nature and was helpless to relieve vague as it was the dream was to him dreadful and the struggle that he made to find her to save her was so intense that he awoke awoke to see her standing within a yard or two of his chair a letter in her hand the usual calmness of her face gone her very lips unsteady he started to his feet and seized her hand the dream still clung about him and he did not realize her reality then he exclaimed seeing the change in her mademoiselle what is it what is the matter you are in trouble yes she said faintly she was trembling and he gently induced her to sit in the chair from which he had risen pray pardon me sir she said but i am troubled i do not know what to do and she faltered glancing at him it seemed natural to come to you sensible practical george brutnell was far from sensible and practical 
when in the presence of those glorious eyes which looked at him beseechingly he did not know it but he had entirely bidden adieu to common sense when alexia butchefin was concerned he said gently what is the matter tell me am i to read this if you will she let him take the letter and he saw that it was written in a boyish wavering hand and that it commenced affectionately with her name it was short for the signature to which his eyes turned instinctively was upon the same page and was your brother gustav butchefin the doctor repeated it aloud your brother mademoiselle you have heard me speak of my brother sir certainly yes but i thought he was in paris i thought so too he was there three months ago when i last heard from him but the post he held was poor miserable he hated it and he was threatening then to leave it and come to england as i had won he did so a month ago and has found that the bad could be worse for he writes that he is penniless sir and starving and he writes to you for help poor child exclaimed the doctor pityingly yes but ah sir he is so young a boy he is two years younger than i am only nineteen alexia urged deprecatingly and whom should he ask poor gustave we have no other kin who care for us where is your brother inquired the doctor close here in london but i forget the address she pointed to the letter which he still held sir if you read you will understand better far than i can explain dr brudnell read the letter just such a letter as a foolish impulsive reckless boy may write and certainly describing a condition that was desperate enough the doctor returned it and asked doubtfully mademoiselle what do you wish me to do you wish to help him ah sir yes she cried eagerly and then stopped faltering but i have no money she said her head drooping the doctor walked to the end of the room came back and stood beside her my poor child i understand you but it must not be why should the little you earn go to your brother at the best it would help him only for a very little time for i see that he says he has no present prospect of employment in a week or two he would be in his present state again something else must be done ah sir it is easy so easy to speak said the governess bitterly what else can be done who is there that will help him poor gustave he is even poorer more helpless than i 
for in all this england he has not even one friend it needed only these words and the glance that accompanied them to turn the doubtful notion that was in the doctor's mind into a resolve but he had a sufficient sense of his own imprudence even now to hesitate a little before speaking again mademoiselle he said gently i know that a lad such as your brother must be often placed at a great disadvantage in his endeavors to get on if as you say he is alone and friendless being a foreigner increases the difficulty no doubt you must let me see if i cannot remedy it you will help him cried alexia eagerly she rose her face flushing her eyes sparkling it was the first time he had seen them shine so the first time that a crimson flush had dispelled that curious ivory pallor her beauty dazzled him he thought her grateful for the help offered to a brother whom she loved in her heart with perfect coolness she was thinking him a fool and triumphing in the victory which she foresaw that she would win through his folly it was her first full knowledge of her power over him tell me what i must do she exclaimed write to your brother and tell him to come here returned the doctor he spoke quickly refusing to doubt or falter i have no doubt i shall be able to help him to a fitting situation before long until then he must remain here you will have at least the satisfaction of knowing that he is safe then you you do not object to the suggestion he added with sudden humility afraid that he might have spoken too coolly too imperatively with a sudden movement she seized his hand and pressed it object i ah sir how can i when you are so good so more than kind she stopped faltering my poor gustav will thank you i cannot for what i can say but thank you a hundred times tut tut said the doctor lightly recovering his self-possession as she released his hand you make too much out of it it is nothing i am only too pleased to be able to serve you you will write your brother at once sir she was turning to the door when a thought occurred to him at last lingering touch of prudence and caution made him say mademoiselle you have not told me how did your brother know where you were where to write to you by the papers sir by what you call the reports of police she said turning and replying without the least hesitation it was the first thing that he saw my poor boy that account of me 
but he would not come here or let me know he was in england lest i should be troubled about him and he did not wish me to know besides that he was poor and distressed i am sure of that although he does not tell me she left the room and ran fleetly upstairs to her own sitting-room the children were in bed and there was no one to see her as she drew her writing-case toward her and wrote swiftly i have succeeded my cause was won before i had time to plead it you are at liberty to come here if once here you will succeed in doing what you desire i cannot tell it is your affair not mine i have done my part come then and remember yours my brother dr brudnell paying his visit to the governess's sitting-room the next evening to bid his nephews and niece good-night found there not the children but a stranger his momentary look of surprise vanished as he recollected and while he spoke a few rather embarrassed words of greeting and welcome he keenly scanned gustave butchefin he was a handsome young fellow tall slender and dark and looking very boyish in spite of some deep lines on the white forehead and about the small tightly compressed lips his clothes were shabby almost threadbare there was an air of carelessness even recklessness about him and yet there was something that was far more easy to feel than to describe which proclaimed him to be a gentleman all this the doctor noted as he took the soft slim hand and answered as briefly as he could the voluble speech of thanks which the young man tendered him speaking in english less correct than alexia's and with a certain extravagance of expression and manner which discomfited george brutnell and which he decided was wholly french but although embarrassed as he always was by anything fresh and new he spoke very kindly and encouragingly to the brother conscious always of the sister's beautiful eyes resting gently upon him and after a few questions asked and answered he left the two to themselves and was called out shortly afterward to attend a very stout old gentleman whom he had warned six months before to take his choice between present port wine and future apoplexy the old gentleman being as obstinate as old people of both sexes occasionally are had heroically chosen the port and now according to the account of a flushed messenger he was enduring the punishment prophesied and was purple already the weary doctor took up his hat resignedly and went out 
Alexia Butchefin, standing idly, leaning against the window frame, negligently listening to what her companion was saying, saw her employer hurrying down the steps and along the hot pavement, upon which the sun had been shining fiercely all day. "'He has gone out,' she said, looking round, with a curious inflection in her voice." as though that fact had a bearing upon the conversation that had gone before. Already? cried the young man eagerly. Better than I hoped. And does he leave his study, laboratory? What does he call it? Unlocked? Yes. Are you sure? Am I likely to be mistaken? Of course not. No. He moved across to the door. Well, come, show me. Come. You are in a hurry, said the governess, not stirring. What would you have me do? He demanded impatiently. Can we let time and opportunity slip together with what we have to do? Have we not done enough for the present? She asked slowly. Calm and cold as she was, a slight irrepressible shudder shook her frame, and he eyed her incredulously. Your note used to be different, he said with a meaning glance. Enough? What do you mean? I saw it. She looked at him steadily with unflinching eyes. I saw him. You did? I did. You? What possessed you? I hardly know. I could not help it. I had a fancy that I must. You with fancy. You with whims and caprices. He laughed a laugh of fierce mockery, strode across the room, took her slender waist in his hand and felt the pulse. Ah, you are ill. Your nerves are out of order, or, in a different tone, you suffer from a lapse of memory, perhaps. What do you mean, wrestling herself free and drawing her level brows together in a sudden threatening frown? He went on as though he had not heard her. I hope that your one relapse would be your last, and pleaded for you, thinking so. It was no easy matter to win you, even you, absolution. Bah, she retorted scoffingly. Think you I do not know why it was granted? I am valuable, am I not? You were. Were, she cried. Am I less now because, looking at that dead boy, I for once remembered that I was a woman. You doubt me. Who are you to dare do it? What have you done for the cause that will weigh in the scales against what I have done? Show me the paltry pinprick of suffering that you place against my agony. Hush, he said in a low tone and glancing round warningly 
evidently taken aback by her sudden vehemence. You mistake me. I wished merely to remind you. Goad me, rather, she retorted with unbated passion. I forgot. I forgot either the blood of the dead or the tortures of the living. I forgot the oath I swore with this in my hand. Her fingers had been restlessly plucking at the bosom of her gown, and now she held out upon her open hand the tiny roll of red-marked paper. She looked at it for a few moments with dilating eyes, while the color died out of her face and left it impassive marble again. Then she slowly restored the little roll to her breast and turned to the door. Come, she said, I will show you. End of chapter 5